is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the National Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we're offering five conversations from episode 20, our discussion with Donna Cryer about the challenges for patient advocates and, for that matter, all key stakeholders as the issues become more urgent, complex, and practical. Plus, from the vault, conversation 46.5 from season three, the wrap-up conversation from last summer's NAFLD Summit coverage. This is a conversation that cannot be summarized easily. It basically revolves around the question of how to manage an issue as complex as a global name change for a major emerging disease properly. In general, the group agrees that a well-meaning core of people have worked extremely hard on this issue. Allow me to cherry pick a couple of key points from the conversation you really need to hear in full and maybe even listen to twice. One, Jorn Schoenberg notes how complex basic disease definition is in fatty liver and that we are early in the process of gathering data and educating all key stakeholders, including and perhaps especially patients. He commends the people who've led an increasingly broad and complex naming process for their hard work. Goes on to acknowledge the merits of Donna's concerns and reminds us that this is not yet a final outcome. Louise Campbell points out that Asia Pacific simply changed the name in their region with very little conflict and asks, did they do it right or did they do it wrong? Donna Cryer and I agree they did it wrong, largely because the power dynamics were simple enough that one group could commandeer the process. Donna passionately expresses her frustration with how badly she feels patients have been disrespected in the nomenclature process. She states that GLI formed the broadly representative 80-member Nash Council precisely to be there to manage complexity of this kind of process, but that none of the value the council can bring is coming into play here. I suggest that this issue may be too large for a broader tent solution to work. When you have six or seven competing sets of interests, the likely outcome is an unduly broad or complex solution, particularly when so few individuals in the system have the complete set of skills necessary to visualize the broader issue. The last two episodes of Surfing the Tsunami, episodes 19 and 20 in season four, have looked at patient and advocate reactions to two major events happening in fatty liver space today. Together, they paint a fairly complete picture of the excitements and frustrations the advocate community faces today. As I said last week, progress is a long journey, so let's all keep pushing. And while you do so, listen, sit back, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the discussion in our LinkedIn discussion group. My, my question to you as, as somebody who's worked to be phenomenally inclusive, right? Ken Cousy says he wants to create a world of endohepatologists and you're in the middle of becoming one. All right. You advocate for patients in a whole bunch of ways, but it's a complicated set of questions. How does one start to move tap center a little bit so that the questions get asked in a different way? Jaren Schattenberg. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a tough one, right? So everybody has his hat on and uh, of course his own experience and the way he looks at it. And I think uh, something that I found very interesting is Donna reflecting on different uh, positions coming into it as a patient versus highly paid consultant. It shows you the same person <laughs> can be paid different rates. <laughs> uh, call, be calling it fair value. Um, is the interesting aspect here. Anyways, I, from an academic perspective and thinking about the nomenclature again, the whole process was started from my perspective as an academic debate and then it accelerated to a process that's huge, that's become huge and, and really the people involved, kudos to them for all the work they invested. I think um, I agree with your comment, Donna, that it needs more than academic and scientific rational at this point where there was some guidance, maybe not enough and we'll see how it plays out. I mean, it's up to the association I think now. And I haven't seen all the feedbacks they gotten. So I, let's summarize. This is not out yet. It's not final. It's an ongoing process. And maybe it has started something that will then uh, be redefined down the road. You and I, I agree with you. And I would like to keep this off just the nomenclature and really talk about the broader idea. Yeah. So on the broader idea, I think we're facing a situation where we have low awareness, slowly progressive, even scientific or let's say controlling bodies like ICE are not 
um, falling bought into the recent data and the consequences for patients. So from the whole discussion and the situation, there's still quite a ways from my perspective to, to be covered, lots of ground to be covered to A, generate data and we're on a good way, but we're not there yet to B, broaden this and bring this out to the public and, and highlight the need of the patient and, and show that patients have impaired quality of life every day because their liver is swollen and inflamed or pre and, and that this is real. So uh, that's one reason we, we spend time on this podcast, I think, because we want to really broaden the view and, and bring this out to the field more. I think that that's my perspective here. Louise Campbell. I just, just on one thing, Asia Pacific did go and leap into the sort of definition of mash, uh, methyls, but I haven't picked up a sense and maybe it's just that I'm not mixing with that type or broad enough in the community here, I haven't ever felt a sense that people have been offended by changing it or that it's created the controversy that the ongoing dialogue we're having now with the nomenclature has for Europe and the US. And I don't know whether that was because they did it right or they did it wrong. Donna Cryer. Because they didn't really consult anybody. They just kept leaping into it. They didn't ask pediatrics because pediatrics was like, hey, um, metabolic diseases to us is, you know, is something else. Ah, let's just trample off. Of you know, so no, it was done wrong. Yeah. In fact, to me, the most interesting comment I've heard in this whole debate so far was at the AASLD session last November when the panelists from India said, no, don't stop calling it non-alcoholic. Non-alcoholic is the best thing you right. can do because in India, you hear cirrhosis, everybody thinks it's alcohol. When you call it non-alcoholic, people feel the stigma has been lifted. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think what happened is the reason they, I, I'm I'm going to go with Don as they did it wrong. I'm going to go about two steps deeper and I might get it wrong. But if I do, please correct me. A, they didn't listen to multiple stakeholders. B, they're in a part of the world that lags badly on commercials. The commercialization issues weren't as important. And B, they're dealing with relatively disempowered patients. So if, the, if, if as Donna says, and I think she's right, it all goes back to power. Hmm. That's a place where 94% of the power, I made that number up, but it's a big number, bigger than 90, is localized in one particular stakeholder group. And everybody else is accustomed to the idea that they are fundamentally powerless. When that happens, one stakeholder group can impose a set of rules and it can ride. It might not be right, but it can ride. Here, as the dynamics get more complicated, more groups, more diffuse power, commercialization, being at the cutting edge commercialization, which is what the U.S. and Europe are, changes everything because the practical questions become very, very different. That kind of, a, you, you need a different solution. But that may be exactly why there isn't the groundswell of irritation here is because people just accepted that that was the name change. They weren't given an option yeah. and that's not right, but they appear to have just gone, right, that's the new definition. But if pediatrics said, no, that's wrong, then it's only right for a very insular group. I think Jorn made a really important point that I want to go back to. Everybody in this process is trying to do the right thing. ICER might be a slightly different story, might have a slightly different definition of the right thing, but certainly a nomenclature. I think everyone's trying to do the right thing, whatever they think the right thing is. It's just, I take Donna's point that when you're dealing with a multi-stakeholder world, you need to start with a diffuse multi-stakeholder solution that is truly, in fact, a diffuse multi-stakeholder solution. And that's been a bit of a problem here. I would refine that, Roger, because I, I just want to make sure, because uh, I, I felt throughout this nomenclature process, I've been gaslit a little bit. And, and you know, my pictures used very liberally on presentations and then my very strongly delivered opposition to just about everything sugarcoated over into some type of acquiescence, which it is not. I'm just too polite to bully babies in public. But, you know, it it's 
it's more than that. It's 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 more than that. And I'm trying to look up the proper quote from the color purple. It's basically I shouldn't have to fight in my own house. And that's how I feel like a patient in the Nash community right now. I shouldn't have to fight in my own house. It's one thing to be able to I have to fight to make sure policies respect us. I have to make sure that regulators, you know, understand that we have a serious unmet need. I, I have to fight for airtime in, you know, in media space and everything. But I shouldn't have to fight in my own house. And now I have to go and spend less time fighting in my own house with the doctors who are supposed to take care of me and lead my field. And they've made a mess that I, as a patient now, have to deal with the real world implications of implementing and cleaning up. And that's why patient advocates not only feel upset, but betrayed. Maybe it's just sort of, you know, an eye opening and a loss of innocence that every patient has to go through uh, along their advocacy journey. But this for me, even as a very experienced patient and denizen of Washington, D.C. to boot is just, I feel, is beyond the pale and to solve the problem that I'm trying to solve, which is to help patients get healthier. This has put us back. Roger, you want to say something, but I want to, you know, just reflect um, that the patient has the disease. So it's a very self-centric view of one disease. As the physician looking from the outside, in particular in NASH, we have multiple disciplines involved here, right? So not even sure sure that we are settled the, the claim of who owns this disease or who should be the primary treater. We're talking about referral pathways, multiple disciplines involved. It's much more straightforward if you're an infectious disease and you have an antiviral and you treat with the antiviral. Here we are, we're discussing which outcome and which disease stage is going to drive the outcome and what stage do we have to intersect. So coming from the physician's perspective, we need two or three physicians treating that NASH and associated risk factors. So who that by itself makes it much more complex. And I think there's something we saw in the, in the process where some people said, well, metabolic is a perfect term. And so others said, well, no, don't call it metabolic because we're done with metabolic for a long time. And I appreciate that. And that's why in 2017, we created our NASH Council, which now consists of 80 different organizational members with calls to ACE, the Endocrine Society. I call the American Heart Association, invited in the Association of Black Cardiologists. We reach out, you know, we have on our calls, liver societies from India, the Vice President of International Diabetes Federation, I knew that at the beginning and solved for that. So I appreciate that. And that's what I mean by you will need to tell it to somebody who doesn't know. I do this. Most of the folks that are involved in this process as I have been painfully observing this. That's not what they do. I'm not trying to, it's like, I'm not trying to perform a transplant. You don't want me treating, I'm not trying to prescribe any drug. I'm not trying to diagnose anybody. But you've come into my house, into my turf, and I've just like brought all your muddy feet around stuff doing things that you don't know how to do. And it's too much to do without a trip to the gym and a nap at this point to come to come back in and to work with people who have all the power but lack the knowledge. So Donna, so it's interesting. First of all, I think what happens is people do what they know how to do. So the question is, are you defining what you need how to do properly? Okay. But second, you aren't, the comment I was going to make in setting you up to speak is that we're on audio, not on video, but I, I see this making you uncomfortable. And I get it. I, I think it's, it's a complicated set of issues. I, I agree with you. And the thing, one of the things you've been great about, great about you personally and lots of others is about reaching out to multiple medical specialties because a lot of doctors have to own this. I think Don is on a different point and I'm not sure that one is right and the other is wrong. It's probably too complicated for 
for any one organization to take on on their own, even your Astana. It's pretty complicated, right? You personally have this unique set of backgrounds that positions you at that moment to be able to see a lot more angles than anybody else can. But in the end, for a whole variety of reasons, this either needed to be a bigger tent, although when you get to a bigger tent, you're going to wind up getting with 14 different columns instead of seven, or a smaller tent that everybody trusted or was willing to push through. And none of that's happened, right? The tent is not broad enough in its perspective. It is not, as you said earlier, confident enough to just push through a solution. And therefore, the people who are in it do what they know how to do. And therefore, we get what they don't know how to do doesn't get done. And yes, they could have listened to you five years ago, but there was one you. My belief is if there had been eight of you in eight different places, it might have had a better chance of working. Just a hunch. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. Next week, Easel Vice Secretary Alexander Krag and Education Counselor Sven Franke will be joining us to begin our preview of the 2023 Easel Congress. Should be fascinating. Should be fun. So until then, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now.